A true investor welcomes volatility. A widely fluctuating market means that irrationally low prices will periodically be attached to solid businesses. Warren, I could not have said that better myself. Ladies and gentlemen, I think that quote puts what's happening in the U.S. stock market in the perspective. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the November Monthly Market Update. I am your host of Dad Sense, Jason Fuchs, Managing Director of SagePath Financial Advisors. This segment of the podcast is a little different than what we typically do. We're going to talk about what happened last month in the markets and what do you think we should start with? U.S. markets? Okay, ladies and gentlemen, that sounds great. Thank you for that wonderful suggestion. I kid, of course, I kid. Hope everyone is doing well. But yes, that's where we're going to start today. So let's start with the U.S. markets. In November, stocks, they surged higher. There was rising optimism that the Fed would slow down future interest rate hikes. Pretty exciting, actually. The Dow gained about 5.7%, while the S&P gained about 5.4%. And that tech-heavy NASDAQ rose about 4.4%. There is a really great quote that I love from Warren Buffett, investor extraordinaire, philanthropist, business extraordinaire, all of the above, a wonderful man in our industry. Warren said, a true investor welcomes volatility. A widely fluctuating market means that irrationally low prices will periodically be attached to solid businesses. Warren, I could not have said that better myself. Ladies and gentlemen, I think that quote puts what's happening in the U.S. stock market in the perspective. The Fed is determined. As expected, the FOMC ended that November meeting that happened on the first and the second of last month by announcing its fourth consecutive rate hike, and they hiked that federal funds rate 0.75%. So three quarters of a percent. In the accompanying statement after the meeting, the FOMC suggested that a potential easing and subsequent rate hikes is on the horizon. Again, that's great news. Stocks rallied on that news, but they did an abrupt reversal. Fed Powell came out after the meeting with a hawkish tone and losses actually accelerated into the following day, cementing a poor start to the month. Let's talk inflation seems to be one of the biggest headlines that we're constantly seeing in the world of economics and investing. The market had actually turned around the following week. However, there was a lower than expected inflation report, and that triggered the biggest one-day stock market gain in more than two years. It was extraordinary, in my opinion. That report, it revived hopes of a slowdown in the pace and the size of future rate hikes. And what's really wild is that tech-heavy NASDAQ I mentioned earlier, it gained 7.4% for the day. (laughs) Incredible. As the month progressed, there were more public comments by Fed officials. And those comments appeared to pour a little bit of cold water on investors' hopes. But despite all those hawkish comments, stocks did rally during the holiday week. They picked up momentum following the release of the meeting minutes the day after Thanksgiving by the FOMC. Those meeting minutes suggested an imminent easing in rate hikes may be in the offing. The minutes also revealed that most of the Fed officials felt a slowdown 
in the pace of rate hike increases was appropriate. Now, there's growing risk that the Fed may increase beyond what was required to reduce inflation, and Fed officials also pointed that out. So after those comments by Powell that the Fed was prepared to ease up on coming rate hikes, stocks actually surged higher to close out the month. There's something my investment team and I put together. It's a sector scorecard. We look at all 11 industry sectors and we try to figure out what their performance was in the previous month. If you want that information, send us an email to info at sagepathfa.com. I'm not going to get into the individual sectors, but I do want to point something out. All 11 sectors were positive for the month of November. Can you guess which sector was up the most? If you guessed materials, you are correct. (laughs) Well done, ladies and gentlemen. What might investors be talking about this month in December? Well, my team and I think the financial markets will again focus on the Fed as it concludes its two-day meeting on December 14th. November's 0.75% increase in the federal funds rate marked the fourth consecutive 75 basis point rate hike since June. So the Fed is cooking, ladies and gentlemen. Inflation, it appears to be trending lower, and that's a good thing. And the job market is showing signs of cooling, which may help influence the Fed's decision. The Fed has prepared the financial markets for its next move, so it's unlikely that they change course. It is an open question, though, whether the November Consumer Price Index, CPI, will impact the Fed's decision. And that information will be released on December 13th, the day before the Fed meets. Investors, they're expected to pay close attention to what Fed Powell says following the FOMC's announcement. Investors, they're expected to pay close attention to Fed Powell's comments after the FOMC's announcement. In November, stock prices, they actually rallied after the release of the meeting statement, but they reversed course when Powell gave a hawkish tone in response to questions by reporters. I keep using that term hawkish, and I'm sure many of you out there are wondering, what does it mean when the Fed is hawkish? I'm so glad you asked. Ladies and gentlemen, you do ask the most fantastic questions. Thank you. (laughs) All kidding aside, hawks, they're seen as willing to allow interest rates to rise in order to keep inflation under control, even if it means sacrificing economic growth, consumer spending, employment. A hawk can be contrasted with a dove. And ladies and gentlemen, we'll get into the definition of dove if we ever get to that point. (laughs) I don't want to overwhelm you with too much information. Now that we've covered U.S. markets, economies, let's talk about the world markets. My team and I use the MSCI EAFE index to track international stock performance. It's similar to the S&P, the Dow, the NASDAQ, international though. I'm actually going to call it the international index because I don't want you to get too confused. Overseas markets, they rallied in November and the international index, it actually picked up 11.08%. In Europe, Italy gained 9.5%. Germany, 8.6%. France, 7.5%. The UK, almost 7%. And Spain, about 5%. Now over in the Pacific Rim, markets were strong as well. Australia climbed 6%. Japan added 1%. Eh, not as exciting. China's Hang Seng Index, try to 
<laughs> Say that 10 times fast. In November, it actually had a sharp rally and it picked up 26.6%. Pretty incredible. Now, one piece of economic data my team and I look at to try and pay attention to what's going to happen in the future regarding the economy and the stock market are indicators. That's what we're going to cover right now. An economic indicator is actually a piece of economic data, usually of macroeconomic scale, and it's used by analysts to interpret current or future investment possibilities. These indicators, they also help judge the overall health of the economy, and that's why my team and I use them. Most financial advisors or analysts use them as well, economists too. Economic indicators, they could be anything the investor chooses, but Specific pieces of data released by the government and by nonprofit organizations have actually become widely followed. I'm going to briefly discuss seven of them. And ladies and gentlemen, we've been talking about what happened in the month of November, but these economic indicators, there's a little bit of a lag. So the information I share with you is actually going to be based on October's numbers. Next month in January, we'll have November's numbers. I hope that makes sense. So let's start with employment. Employers, they continue to hire. In October, payrolls rose about 261,000. And this is a strong number, but we need to keep in mind that it was actually down from 315,000 in September. The unemployment rate, it ticked higher at 3.7%, while average hourly earnings rose 4.7% from a year ago. Moving on to retail sales, retail sales rose 1.3% in October. And that was helped by early discounting from retailers and purchasing of building materials, home furnishings, etc. in the wake of Hurricane Ian. And ladies and gentlemen, we felt it here in Florida. Grocery stores, department stores, you name it, the shelves were looking pretty empty. So people were definitely loading up on water, canned goods, etc. to get through the hurricane. And everyone here at Sage Path, everyone here in the Fuchs family made it through just fine. No worries at all. (laughs) Industrial production. Well, that fell 0.1%, and it actually came in lower than the consensus forecast of an increase of 0.1%. So not the greatest reading. Housing. Housing. What a ride, huh? This year has been interesting. Housing starts, they declined by 4.2% in October, and that number was dragged down by single-family home starts. Single-family home starts reached their lowest level in nearly two and a half years. That year-over-year decline was 8.8%. October's existing home sales fell 5.9% from their September levels and 28.4% from a year earlier. Higher mortgage rates are becoming a problem. These higher mortgage rates, they're driving potential buyers out of the market. It was the ninth consecutive month that sales fell. So something that we need to keep an eye on. New home sales, those unexpectedly jumped 7.5% in October, despite those higher mortgage rates. Sales were down 5.8% from a year ago, though, and the median price of a new home rose 15.4% from last October's level. CPI, Consumer Price Index. I mentioned that earlier. Next week, that number actually comes out before the Fed meets. And that's actually going to be an important number that will influence their decision in the meeting. Again, though, my team and I, we think they're going to remain on course. So talking CPI, inflation moderated in October. 
and it rose 0.4% month over month. It actually came in below market expectations of 0.6% though. That 12-month rate remained elevated at 7.7% under the consensus estimate of 7.9%. And I keep using that term, consensus estimate. Ladies and gentlemen, a consensus estimate is a forecast of a public company's projected earnings, and it's based on the combined estimates of all the analysts that cover that stock. I hope that makes sense. Now, generally, analysts, they try to predict a company's earnings per share, and we call that EPS, and revenues for the quarter, the fiscal year, and future fiscal years. I hope that makes sense. If you've got questions, email me, info at sagepathfa.com. Core inflation, and ladies and gentlemen, that is inflation excluding the energy and food sectors. That was actually down 0.3% month over month in October, and it was lower than the projected 0.5%. Durable goods orders. Ladies and gentlemen, I know you've been looking so forward to this data point. (laughs) Now, we look at orders for goods that are expected to last three years or longer. Orders of those goods were up 1%, and that exceeded economists' expectations of a 0.4% increase. Did you catch all that, ladies and gentlemen? (laughs) Let's talk about the Fed. I mentioned this earlier, but I actually want to really get into this so you understand because next week is going to be an important week for the markets. The Federal Reserve, again, they announced a 0.75% rate hike in the federal funds rate at the conclusion of its meeting back in November. We know that, right? Now, there was a, a statement accompanying the announcement. And in that statement, the FOMC said that future rate height increases would take into account the cumulative monetary tightening to date, and the lag in impacts resulting from such tightening. That's important, so I'm going to say it again. Future rate increases would take into account the cumulative monetary tightening to date and the lag in impacts resulting from such tightening. After the meeting, there was a press conference held, like always, and Fed Powell, he added that it was too soon to consider any slowdown in the pace of rate hikes. He also added that the terminal rate may be higher than originally expected. And that's an important and that's important to note. In the November meeting minutes that were released just before Thanksgiving, Fed officials indicated that they were likely to slow the pace of rate hikes soon, suggesting that such slowing might begin with next week's December meeting. Quite a lot of information. I'd like to wrap this up by doing something a little bit fun. My team and I, we do something called By the Numbers. And this month, we are featuring the history of the Christmas tree. So it's kind of like a trivia. You ready to get started? I'm excited. This is fun. I enjoy this. Can you guess the number of U.S. states where Christmas trees are growing? Do, 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 do. <laughs> if you said 50, you are correct. All right. What about the number of Christmas trees sold in the U.S. every year? I don't know if I should be singing that song. I'm sure it's trademarked. (laughs) If you said 25 to 30 million, ding, 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 you are the winner. Let's talk about Christmas trees growing on U.S. Christmas tree farms. I'm going to give you a hint. It is way higher than that 25 to 30 million number I just gave you. 
If you said $350 million, wow, give yourself a round of applause. That's amazing. Number of acres in the U.S. growing Christmas trees. I thought this was an interesting one. 350,000 acres. So we have 350 million Christmas trees growing on 350,000 acres. That's pretty tremendous. Can you guess the number of Christmas tree farms in the U.S. growing those trees? Yeah, almost 15,000 farms. So 15,000 farms over 350,000 acres growing 350 million trees. Wow, those folks are hard at work, aren't they? (laughs) I got a few more and then we'll wrap this up. Can you guess the average height of a harvested Christmas tree? Six to seven feet. What about the average time to grow a Christmas tree to that harvest height? Six to seven feet. Seven years. What about the most common Christmas tree in the U.S.? A scotch pine. And of course, the most popular tree in the U.S., a Fraser fir. (laughs) Thanks for having some fun with me. And hey, thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for joining me for this month's market update. We will see you next month. And hey, check out Dad Sense next Tuesday for another new episode. Thank you again for being here. We appreciate all of you. Be well. Ho, ho, ho. Santa Claus, otherwise known as Old Saint Saint Jason has me on payroll so his three-year-old daughter can get all the hot toys ahead of schedule. I'm visiting from the North Pole so I can read the disclosures. We don't want to irritate regulators, now do we? Securities and investment advisory services offered through FSC Securities Corporation. FSC member, FINRA SIPC. FSC is separately owned in other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced or are independent of FSC. Jason Fuchs, Amber Fuchs, and Sage Path Financial Advisors are unaffiliated. Ho, ho, ho! 